So we begin our new Sunday school class on, on this first Sunday of the new year. And Will and I are excited to launch this new semester with our series that is entitled A Healthy Member of Christ's Body. And throughout this class, we're going to be looking at what being a healthy member entails and what this looks like in our day-to-day living, such as our times of planned corporate worship, fellowship together, our times of getting together with one another outside of regularly scheduled uh, fellowships, our witness to those outside of Christ and other areas of the Christian life. And our goal in this class is to see all of us functioning well so that we can grow in our faith, that we can be an encouragement to one another and be an effective witness for Christ in our community so that his kingdom will grow more and more. So to open this class, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27, so that we can understand the necessity and importance of every member in Christ's body. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if I can have two people read, the first one reading verses 12 through 20, the next person reading verses 21 through 20. Seven. So who'd be willing to read 12 through 20 to start? Lloyd, thank you. And then 21 through 27? Stacy, thank you. Please. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit... We were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts do not. Okay, thanks, Stacy. So one of the things that we see from this passage is that 
apparently some believers in Corinth felt superior to others in the church because their gifts were more visible and therefore they thought more important. And you can imagine how this must have made those with less visible gifts feel. I mean, I think all of us would agree we have enough warfare from the enemy in trying to serve Christ, and the last thing that we need is fellow brothers or sisters discouraging us in that role. And I want you to look with me here again at verses 12 and 13. I just want to make a couple of quick comments about that before we look more extensively at verses 14 through 20. Paul's point here in verse 12 is that while we are diverse, we are unified at the same time, just like the human body is, right? Paul has actually already addressed this issue of being diverse and yet unified at the same time, and he did this by pointing to the greatest example, and that is the triune God. Look with me at verses 4 and 6 here in 1 Corinthians 12, if I can have somebody read that for us, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. Okay, so you see both there the varieties, the diversity, and yet what do you have mentioned there? Spirit, Lord, God, okay? So working in different ways, but unified together. And then when we look here at verse 13, Paul reminds the Corinthians here that at their conversion, they were baptized by one spirit into one body. See, when God called you out of this world, he called you into the body of Christ. So you were called out of one thing, but not just left to yourself. You were called out of the world into the body of Christ. And the apostle reminds the Corinthians here that this calling into this one body, it supersedes all ethnic and socionomic barriers. In other words, what he's getting at here is the unity of the gospel. The gospel unites takes people from all tribes, tongues, languages, nations, and brings them together into one body. Okay? Now, I want to look a little more extensively here at verses 14 through 20. And on your notes there, you'll see that it just kind of broke this up into two different things. And in this passage, we see Paul making two appeals or pleas for an every member ministry. And the first appeal or plea that he makes is the body needs you. Okay? The body needs you. When you look at verses 14 through 20, that's what you see being emphasized here. Let me, let me just kind of skim through this with you real quick. The body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Right? Even though it's saying that, that, that does, doesn't mean it's not part of the body. Uh, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. Okay, so you can see this inferiority kind of complex that some were having here based on things that were obviously happening within the fellowship. Okay, verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Okay, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So the body needs you is the emphasis that Paul is driving at here in verses 14 through 
20. And again, there was this sense of inadequacy or this sense of inferiority that some people felt, and they felt that they didn't really have any place in that body. Uh, But notice how Paul responds to that. He basically says, you can say that you don't feel adequate or useful in the body, but that still doesn't make you any less a part of the body. Whatever you say or no matter how you feel doesn't change the reality of who you are. That is a member of the body of Christ. And so I want you to think here of what Paul is saying. Because these believers had the wrong perspective of who they truly were in the body of Christ and how important and vital they are, it has rendered them ineffective in their service to him. Right? When you don't feel useful in a place, it renders you ineffective. Right? You just sit on the sidelines and there's not really anything for me to do. So these believers were discouraged because they had either been told or they simply just felt that they were inferior to the rest of the members in the body. And I just think of how many people might struggle with that same mindset today. You know, I I know at times I, I struggle with that, especially when I listen to like really popular <laughs> preachers, right? When I look at guys that I really respect, you know, there's just that tendency to be like, I'm just going to step aside and cue up the video and press play, and that'll be more beneficial for you. <laughs> um, but w- what happens when I think that way, right? That's entirely the wrong mindset. God has given me and you a gift or gifts to be used for the glory of his name in the local fellowship. And perhaps you have that that same mindset at times. You know, oftentimes we can think, well, if I don't go to church today or go to to one of the Bible studies or one of the other ministries or I don't reach out to this person, it doesn't really matter because I don't really have anything to offer. Listen, God's word says exactly the opposite of that, right? So when, when, we, when we tend to think this way, it's not, yeah, let's just have a little pity party for ourselves. No, it's let's get our minds renewed by the word of God and hear what God has to say on this issue, okay? Look with me at Ephesians 4. This is another place where Paul emphasizes the necessity of every member in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, look with me at verses 11 through 16, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16, if I can have somebody read that for us. Grow up and the things in this, I'm sorry, 
It's okay. Okay, good. Thanks, Jessica. Notice in particular verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, so there's that, that emphasis, and we're going to actually come back to that because there's, there's other passages that talk about this every member mentality. But what's being said here is that Jesus uses every part of his body in order to build it up in love. And when one part is not functioning properly, the body is not growing as it could or should. So if you, if you are a Christian, listen, you are a vital part of the body of Christ. Listen, God does not have any spare parts in the body of Christ. He didn't call you into this body and say, good, I, I needed a backup for this part of the body just in case it fails. But just kind of sit on the sidelines until that happens, right? God did not call us in that way to sit on the sideline. When we're called into the body of Christ at conversion, we are called, to use a sports analogy, into the game as a starter, right? We're to be actively engaged in the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, as we go back to 1 Corinthians 12 here, we see that mindset in verse 18. Where Paul is inspired to say, but as it is, now think of this. Okay, think of this statement right here in verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Okay, so who put this body together? God. He arranged it and is arranging it as he incorporates all of his elect into the body of Christ as he chose. So after Paul makes the argument that despite what we say or how we feel, we are a part of the body of Christ, he then shows clearly that this is God's doing. It's God's design. And I want to park on this, on this verse for a bit so that you can feel the weight of what is being said here. This, this infinitely holy God who spoke the world into existence, as we've looked at in our Doctrine of God class, before the foundation of the world chose us unto salvation. And just that reality right there should stagger you. We have been made recipients of his love and grace through the work of his son on our behalf. And God has placed us by his grace into the body of Christ. And not only that, but he has placed us specifically, right? It's not that he just brings us into the body of Christ and just kind of, oh, you're, you're incorporated. I'll just throw you into the body of Christ. He puts you exactly where he wants you in the body of Christ. And he has done this so that we will glorify him by using the gift or the gifts that he has given to us. Now, I hope you see the personal aspect of and care of this. He, he takes this seriously, putting you into the body of Christ. He doesn't just say, you know, figure it out. 
he gives you a function as he designed. And I want to look at a couple other passages that speak to this reality of this intentionality that God has in bringing you into the body of Christ and incorporating you with the people of God. Look with me at Romans chapter 12. And look at verses 4 through 6 here in Romans 12. If I can have somebody read that for us. Verses 4 through 6 in Romans 12. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually, mem individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Okay, and then he, that's, that's fine. He just goes on and lists the different gifts. No, that's okay. But notice verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Okay, so we see this in a number of places, this aspect of God's intentionality in bringing us into the body of Christ. You can jot these down if you'd like. I want to read these off to you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, passage just before the extensive passage that we're looking at, says this, and I want, I want to emphasize some of these words. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, for the common good. Okay? Alright, so to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. You're given a gift. For what purpose? For the common good. Okay? For the good of the body of Christ. That we would be united serving one another for the glory of God. And then we see the verse that we've been focusing on in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them. Okay? Again, so there's this individuality that God has here. Ephesians 4.16 that we looked at, every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here's another one for you. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And then, as we saw here in Romans 12, 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And the point that comes screaming out of all these passages is this. You are vital to the proper functioning of the body. Okay. Now, what, what happens, just think of your human body for a moment. What happens when one member of your body is not functioning properly. Okay? What, what happens? What, what's the result of that typically? Okay? Let's say you break your hand. Okay? What's going to have to happen in order for you to continue? Right? Life just doesn't stop. You've got to keep going on. You've got to keep doing things. So what, what has to happen? Very good. Okay, the body's compromised, and therefore, what does the rest of the body have to do? Compensate, right? Now, there is benefit to that 
it gives that time to heal and get back to its proper functioning, but it gets back to its proper functioning inevitably, right? It doesn't stay in that position the whole time. So again, just an analogy there. I think that's what Paul is kind of drawing out here is this reality that every member of the body of Christ is vital. And when one member suffers, when there is weakness, I mean, all of us have felt that, right? We have felt just, uh, I don't feel like I can do anything today, so to speak. The rest of the body can come alongside and help to do that. So there, that, there is, that's a benefit to the body of Christ is that the other part of the body can step in. But it's not meant to be a long-term fix, right? Just until that member is taken care of and kind of gets back on their feet, so to speak, to be functioning properly again, okay? So additionally, we must be extremely cautious in thinking that we have an inferior gift or that we don't really have a place in the body of Christ. To say that is to say, and hear this, that you have more wisdom than God. If we feel that our gift is in any way inferior, just because maybe it's not as visible or whatever the case may be, as we've looked at those passages, we see that God places each member in the body of Christ just as he designed. So when we say that, I wish I had a different gift, what are we doing? Calling into question the wisdom of God, right? We should use the gift or gifts that God has given to us for the glory of God. Of his name. So don't let the, don't let the enemy just th- cause you to think that you are in any way inferior to the rest of the body of Christ just because your gift or gifts may not be as visible or what most people would deem more important, right? Now, there's, there's certain, as Paul's going to get into here in a second, there are certain aspects of the body, obviously, that seem to be more important than others, right? Like, man, what would I do without my eyes or, you know, so on and so forth. But let's say that you just had the ability to look, but you couldn't do anything else, okay? Well, that your eyes would be good, but you would go no further than that. You couldn't actually do anything about the things that you're looking at, okay? And so there isn't any spare part in the body of Christ, and that's what Paul's going to get into here. What our attitude ought to be is, first of all, praise the all-wise God that I am a believer in Jesus Christ and that I have been incorporated into his body and gifted as he designed. That should be our attitude, right? God didn't make a mistake in gifting you as he has. And we have to make sure that we understand that. So Paul finishes this section here in 1 Corinthians 12 by asking what seems to be a ridiculous question in verse 19, right? He says, if all were a single member, where would the body be? In other words, if we were all an eye or all an ear or all a foot, there wouldn't be a body because a body is made up of many parts. So be encouraged by the reality that God has gifted you and you have an extremely important role to play in the body of Christ, not because of who you are necessarily, but because of the God who has gifted you for that service. I want to close here. There's just this section 
with, a, with a quote from commentator and pastor Paul Barnett that I was encouraged by in my study. He says, God has gifted each member and appointed each member for a distinctive ministry to the whole, just as he has decided. Each has a special place in the body of believers as personally appointed by God. So I hope you feel just the individual care that God has for you and how he has placed you into the body of Christ. You are vital uh, to the body of Christ. So any type of inferiority that you would have, line it up against the word of God, right? Read the word of God. Get your mind renewed. Help yourself to believe the reality you are a vital part of the body of Christ. God hasn't made any, any mistakes. The, listen, the body needs you. I hope that motivates you on Sunday morning. The body needs me this morning. Not because you and of yourself, don't let that puff your head up, right? You're not indispensable in that, in that sense. But listen, the body needs you. If we had that mindset of, let me go to church not to get today, but to give, right? To be used by God for the glory of his name. And I'll tell you what, in that giving, you get, right? You get the joy of knowing God more, being used by him in his service. So there's a great encouragement here. The body needs you, is what Paul is saying here in this first section, okay? All right, let me just throw that out for any thoughts, questions, because I know I said a lot before we move on to that second point. So you guys kind of chime in. Diana Lynn? Yes, and that, that's correct in the sense that every member in the body of Christ has a gift to be used for the edification, according to what Paul is saying there in Ephesians 4, for the building up of the body of itself in love. Um, now, teaching obviously has to be a, a starting point for that so that the saints would be equipped. Um, so if the teaching's not there, it's hard for the saints to be equipped for the work of ministry. But I think the point that Paul is making there is exactly that, is that, yeah, every part is vital. What Pastor Jack and I do, Pastor Rick, Pastor Arnie, that's vital. But it's as vital as what you're called to do in the body of Christ as well. <clears throat> because we could sit up there and teach all day long, but if nobody responds then how, how is the body of Christ benefited, right? How are we built up in love? So it's a necessary component, just as whatever God has gifted you in is a necessary component. <clears throat> okay. All right, any other thoughts? Yeah, I wanted to, um, oh, I'm sorry. Anybody else? I think so. Um, I wanted to say that, um, praise God for his revelation because... Uh, I read that passage and it just never really hit me that he's talking about the human body, the same human body that we like to look at and marvel at how wonderful it is. Right. And he uses that <clears throat> natural general revelation mm. and compare it to us as the body, as you know, the body of Christ. Right. And I thought of, right when he said, I thought of fearfully, wonderfully made. He knitted me in 
in my mother's womb. I just thought, like, it just really hit. So. Amen. Yeah, amen. Amen. Good stuff. Okay. Okay, let's, let's move on here to number two. Okay, so number one, the body needs you. Number two, you need the body. You need the body. Okay. This is what Paul is getting at in verses 21 through 27 here. And just kind of highlight some points here. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So, with that previous section that we just looked at, the focus was on a possible sense on the part of some that they themselves did not belong to the body or didn't have a significant role in it. Whereas this section now shifts its focus to those who may not question their own place in the body, but that of others for which they feel they have no need. So on the one hand, you, you have those who felt inadequate, and on the other hand, you had those who felt self-sufficient. And that mindset is definitely pre- prevalent within our culture, isn't it? And it, it, it creeps into the church. There's this constant push towards individualism and independence. And that self-sufficiency is an attribute that is to be sought after, right? I don't need anybody. I'm, I'm self-sufficient, and we applaud that. That's great, yeah, you're strong, and so on and so forth. And the Bible is totally <laughs> the other way around. Nope. You need the body of Christ. And I would say that even as Christians, we sometimes fall prey to that notion. We at times think because we are complete in Christ and because He is our sufficiency, We therefore don't really need anyone else to live a faithful Christian life. And I would suggest that that idea completely contradicts Scripture. And that is what Paul addresses here in these verses. You had those who felt more prominent and gifted, saying to those they deemed weak and less significant, I don't need you. And Scripture says, on the contrary, what you feel is weaker and insignificant just because it doesn't have perhaps the same visible outward manifestation is actually indispensable. In other words, you can't do without it. As important as some of the more prominent members of the human body are, it is possible to live without them. They are important but not absolutely necessary. For example, you can lose an eye, an ear, a hand, or a foot and still live. But you can't lose a heart or a liver or a brain and live. Those parts are more hidden, less visible than the others, but are also more vital. I like what John MacArthur says here. He says, you can notice the breathing of your lungs and the pulse of your heartbeat, but their work is not nearly as obvious 
as what we do with our hands or feet. Those less noticed parts seem to be weaker than much of the rest of the body, but they are also more necessary. You can live without legs, but not without lungs. So Paul continues that analogy here, and he goes on in verses 23 and 24 and says, And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Now, the word bestow there in verse 23 is a really important word and understand what Paul is getting at. That word means literally to put around and therefore is probably referring to clothing. In other words, most of us go out and spend a lot of money on clothing as they seem to have done in Paul's day as well and we put those clothes on the parts of our body that we think less honorable. By spending this money, we actually give greater honor to those parts of our body than, say, to our hands. And that is what Paul is getting at here. Every part of the body of Christ is needed for the support of every other part of the body of Christ. Right? So we think that they're less significant. We actually bestow the greater honor on them by what we do <laughs> to put over them. And God has set it up this way, Paul says in verse 25. Notice, this is, this is the reason that God has done it this way. Verse 25 gives us the, the clue. So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. So take, for example, the analogy that we just used about clothing. In order to get the clothes for our more modest parts, the other parts of the body must be involved, right? My feet need to walk to the store, or at least to get in my car to go to the store. My eyes need to see what clothing would be acceptable. My fingers, hands, and arms need to work together to grab those clothes off the shelf, and so on. Now, you may come back in our technological day and say, I can actually do that all right in front of my computer. Well, you can, but you still need your body parts in order to get that to function, the computer to function correctly. But the point that Paul is getting at here is in this way, there is no division in the body. The whole body working together has one goal. When you just take that example of going to get some clothes, your whole body working together has one goal. Get the clothes to cover our more unpresentable and modest parts. So it's not as if your legs and feet get you to the store and then you just stand there trying to will your arms and hands and fingers into action. Your whole body is focused on that one goal. And so it should be with the body of Christ, Paul is saying here. And we, we don't really give that thought, do we? I mean, do you think about when you're getting ready to, to go to work, you know, all of your members are functioning together as you put on your socks or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Right? And you're getting breakfast ready and you're heading out the door and how your whole body is working together has one goal and it's accomplishing that goal, right? So you're not like, come on, hand, let's go. We got to, right? And that's the point that Paul is bringing out here, right? Is that it's just working together. It has one goal. And that one goal in the body of Christ is what? To lift high the name of our great God by using the gifts that God has given 
us to serve one another and to have the same care for one another so that there is no division. And where that is happening, it will be a place where when one member suffers, we all suffer, right? The body will be so unified that when that one member suffers, we all suffer. There'll be such a connectivity that we have with one another that your pain, in a sense, will become my pain. And when one member is honored, we'll all rejoice together because there is such a connectivity. There's such a unity that even though we are individual members of the body of Christ, we are nevertheless one body. Now, one, one suggested application here as we kind of bring this to a close is the sheet that you have with your notes there with the various ministries that we currently have here at Faith along with a very short description of that ministry and its purpose. And my encouragement to you is to take this home and to look over these and to think through, Lord, is there any of these ministries that you would have me to be involved in or if I'm already involved in them, maybe serving in a greater capacity? And then you notice there at the bottom, on the back side there, if you have a ministry in mind that we don't currently have available, the elders would love to hear about it so that we can help equip you in this endeavor. Okay, Because you may be something on there, you say, oh, I don't really know how I can get involved and use my gift or gifts. Come see us. We love to hear that. People are like, I have this great idea for ministry. Come on, let's talk about it. Let's, let's see how we can help equip you for that. But beyond that list, I, I have a specific application for you as well, one that every one of us is called to serve each other in. And we saw this back in Ephesians 4.15. And that is this speaking the truth in love to each other. I was just talking with Veronica earlier about uh, one of my favorite passages in Hebrews 10 about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. Often that verse is just quoted and left by itself. But when you continue to read, it's to the end so that we might encourage one another more and more until that day and that is the day of our Lord's return. So the emphasis there is that encouragement aspect. We're getting together, we're encouraging one another, right? Coming together as the body of Christ is a time where we ought to be able to encourage one another and keep pointing one another to Christ to see who He is. And so that's a role that that every one of us should have, and we're going to get into that a little bit more actually later on in the class when we kind of think about What does it look like when I walk into church on Sunday? Uh, What what are my responsibilities? Does God have expectations when I walk into the gathering together of his people? We're going to get into that in, in coming weeks here. But Paul mentions there in Ephesians 4 that one of the ways that we grow, that we mature in the Christian life is by speaking the truth and love to one another. And so being being connected to one of the ministries in our church where the word is being consistently studied really is vital for our growth into the likeness of Christ. You know, we, we certainly uh, can't provide every opportunity, but we try to provide as many opportunities as possible for us to get together, to study the Word of God together, to talk about these things, to be in each other's lives. And there's definitely many ways that we can do that outside, and I hope that happens as well. 
But the point that I really want to drive at that Paul is making here in this section, and I hope you feel the weight of it this morning, is that we desperately need one another. Amen? Amen. And we need to use those gifts that we have been given to serve one another, as the Scripture says, and the end or goal in all of our service to one another and functioning properly in the body of Christ is the glory of God being displayed more clearly in us and through us until that day that he comes to get us to the praise of his glory, which we long for. And so I hope that's helpful for you as we begin this class and we think through what does it look like to be a healthy church member. I hope this is a launching pad and everything will kind of build off of this in the coming weeks and uh, really think through, help us to assess uh, how we're doing and, and Uh, using the gifts that God has given to us for the edification of the body and for the glory of his name. Okay, a few minutes left here. Anybody want to comment or questions? Forrest. Yes. It takes several body parts to make that work. Yes. I was also sitting here thinking about I'm grateful for whoever made coffee. <laughs> and I looked at that cup and I picked it up and I drank some and I put it down and I thought how oh, that body function works right. so easily. Yes. If we think about how the body works, we also think about what a miracle it is as Lloyd mentioned. Yeah. But you think about we can not only think and walk and move and have our being, but in Christ, importantly, mm-hmm. but we can walk. Yeah. The act of walking, standing erect, is right. limited to humans. Right. And then you think about running, and you think about the most incredible things like uh, when you see something like Cirque du Soleil, and you see people. Oh, running, yeah. Right. What it takes for that coordination of eye, ear, hand, you know, all the senses all working together right. to make that happen. Yet if they stub their toe or sprain their ankle, they can't do it. That's right. It's not possible. Right. Then I began thinking about uh, the parts of the body here at church. Right. Some, um, some of the parts of the body are for training and equipping. Right. And some of the parts are for listening and then writing it down and then using the brain to go over it again and not just leaving it on a piece of paper. Right, right. And I really like what you said about uh, there's a great thing about the ministry of encouragement. Yes. And so, sometimes just being with one another. And um, for anyone who stood on the platform and looked out at body, you see there are many that are completely joyful in the Lord and many others that are really hurting. Yeah, yeah. There's something up 
body is to reach out and encourage and minister to the difficulties yep. throughout the week so hey we have time for lunch or yeah. even talk to on Sunday morning and encourage but without that our soul is crushed yeah amen amen great thank you for sharing that that was very insightful appreciate that Any other thoughts? Questions? Just quickly, Stacy and I were just sharing with someone the other day that um, they came by the table and um, they profess to be Christian but they don't go to church. And Stacy, we've come to know this and but Stacy just asked me, so how you know, um, are you are you participating? Yeah, and that's, that's the theme that you see running throughout Scripture um, is the need that we have for one another, and especially there in that passage in Hebrews 10. Because, you know, I've run into people who, you know, just have the mentality that I have Jesus and he's all I need and I don't need the body and so on and so forth. And Jesus says you need the body. Uh, and, you know, you want to obey what the Lord says. And I, we've all experienced it, I think. You know, I, I desperately need the body of Christ. If God ever removed me from a pastoral position and I was just serving in the body of Christ in another capacity, it wouldn't change my mentality at all on my need for the body of Christ. I, I need you guys desperately in my life as a means of grace and sanctification and encouragement. So... 
that's, that's what we see running throughout Scripture is this, uh, is this mentality. So hopefully that, that helps us as we uh, kind of launch this, uh, this study over the next uh, few months here. And uh, we'll get into this a little bit more in the coming weeks. Will will uh, jump on next week and, and begin teaching us as well. So let's, uh, let's close out in prayer and ask the Lord to help us as we head into this service. Father in heaven, we want to thank you first and foremost that indeed you have made us a member of the body of Christ. What a gift that is in and of itself. And Lord, we long to use the gift or gifts that you have given to us for the encouragement of the saints, that your name would be honored in all these things and that your kingdom would advance. And Father, we pray that you would help us to remember that the enemy is going to do everything he can to render us ineffective in the body of Christ. The last thing he wants to see is a unified church loving and serving one another to the glory of God. And so we can expect great opposition. So help us to be mindful of that, to be found on our knees frequently, praying for grace and strength for the body of Christ as a whole. And Lord, I pray, as Forrest mentioned, that you would help us to serve and love one another. Lord, make us so unified that we can truly say that when one member suffers, we all suffer. And that when one member rejoices, we all rejoice. That is the people we desire to be, Father. So please help us as we have entered into this new year to be committed to that, Lord. Make us mindful of one another. Help us to reach out to each other, not only on Sundays, Lord, but throughout the week as we have opportunity to encourage one another and to spur one another on to love and good works. And so we thank you for this, Father, and beg for your grace to help us. In Jesus' name, amen.